Friday, May 11, 2018. This is Born the Battle, brought to you by the Department of Veterans Affairs. I am your host, Marine Corps veteran Timothy Lawson, wrapping up a three-episode week starting on Monday with our benefits breakdown on homeless programs, and then episode 100 that came out on Wednesday, focusing on Gleason's Gym and the boxing program that they uh, offer, the free boxing training they offer veterans there. And then today, episode 101 with Raymond Kalaplastos. He is a Army veteran down in San Antonio. He's a VA employee, and he helps run the mobile vet center uh, that can provide services to veterans mobily. Uh, he was down at the Students Veterans of America National Conference uh, back in January. That's where I met him. That's when him and I spoke. Um, this is a nice, uh, I think, bookend to uh, Public Service Recognition Week as vet centers are uh, super, so valuable and so important in our communities as they deploy whenever there's uh, a situation, an event, disaster, or just to provide support to the local community uh, at events such as uh, SVA's NatCons. Him and I recorded inside the mobile vet center, so you're going to hear a little bit of the hum from the generator that uh, that kept us warm, but it's a really interesting conversation as we learn about a, about a service in the Army, his transition out, and then just the wonderful services that he and uh, all the vet centers nationwide are able to pro- provide either at the actual vet centers or with those mobile vet centers that they can deploy. Enjoy. There are nearly 2 million women veterans who served and deserve the best care anywhere. VA is dedicated to meeting the unique needs of all women veterans. VA offers comprehensive primary care and women's health specialty care. Women veterans who are interested in receiving care at VA should call the Women Veterans Call Center at 855-VA-WOMEN or contact the nearest VA Medical Center and ask for the Women Veterans Program Manager. Visit www.va.gov slash womenvet. My name is Raymond Kalaplastos, or better known as Ray from the VA. <laughs> Ray from the VA. That's, that's what they call me. Uh, I want to try it. Kalaplastos. Kalaplastos, yes, sir. Okay. Um, so we um, we start every interview with the same uh, the same topic. The one thing that we all have in common as veterans is the, the, the decision to join the United States military. Bring us back to that that decision for you. Well, the military. I was born into the military, Lawton in Oklahoma, where my dad was stationed. Uh, he's a veteran. Spent his twenty some years in the military, and of course, um, I was an Army brat. That's what they call us. Um, so from, I've been military since I've been born until when I joined in the 1980s. I joined uh, 1980, my dad was still in the service. Um, so it's part of the family, uh, it's, it's, a, it's an atmosphere that I was raised in, um, and I thought it would be a good choice. I actually joined in 1980 um, and thought for a four-year tour and, and got out of the service because I thought life would be better on the outside realized that I made a mistake and then two years later I joined back in the service and then I continued on until 2007 when I retired. Yeah. When, where, where was that two-year break? Which years? The two-year break was 84 through 86. Okay, so, so it was your first four years got out and, you're, and two years later you're like, never mind, I'm back right. in. Berlin, Germany, my first tour. 
I came back to Fort Hood, Texas, and then um, and I um, what they call ETS from there. I came back to San Antonio. That's where I'm from, for the most part. Yeah. Um, tell me, so so you were in the service um, when the attacks on 9-11 happened. Um, just in whatever segment of the military you were in at the time, your unit, your, your area, just tell me about the difference you saw uh, from September 10, 2001 to September 12, 2001, just the difference in atmosphere between those two days. That's a good question. Um, where I was at that time, I was at an ROTC instructor at Virginia Tech College, um, providing services, uh, MS-1 and MS-2 instructor for future officers. Uh, most of those officers, um, or most of the, the students, were from the Virginia area. Some of them had parents that had died from 9-11. From They were in the towers. Uh, so it was very, um, I was given a class at that time, and, and all of a sudden I got called by my boss. Cease and exist. We need everyone to come to the office. Um, it was very emotional because we were connected, as in most of our cadets were had parents in the Virginia area. Um, so, um, you know, it, it made everybody, it, it upset a lot of people. That, you know, it was surprising, you know, that something that large could happen without us knowing, you know, that it was in the planning process. Um, it was terrible. Um, but, you know, it changed. Everyone changed at that point. I think most people, more people got patriotic. They wanted to go fight. They yeah. wanted to join the military. You've seen a lot more flags hanging from the front of houses. Um, actually, the flag, the flag companies almost went out of business, or they couldn't keep up making flags. It, they just ran out. And I know this because I was trying to make some flags for Virginia Tech College as an ROTC instructor there, and I, and I had to get flags made here in San Antonio. Um, but uh, mo most people wanted to be patriotic and join the military, and a lot of people did do that so they can, they can fight for the country. Um, and, and I say that more, more people really got into the, the military at that time uh, because they, they wanted to do their patriotic duty yeah. and fight for the country. Um, tell me, uh, you know, so the name of the program is, is Born the Battle, and, and um, you know, whether it be literal combat or another difficulty or adversity that you experience while you're in, tell us about an example of that and how you dealt with it. Explain that again. What, um, what are you looking for? So, you know, um, you know, Born the Battle, most people think act literal battle, right? But not everybody is a combat veteran, but mil military service members, we deal with sacrifice and difficulty and challenges while we're in. Sure. Um, so whether, whether, you're, whether it's an actual deployment or another challenge or difficulty that you experience while you're in, I'm just curious um, uh, if you have an example of that and, and how you dealt with it. Well, deployments are difficult because you're leaving your family behind. And it doesn't matter what you do in the military, you could be uh, admin specialist, or you could be an infantry person like myself. Our jobs are very different in the military. Um, although we all deployed, and we have some, we, we're doing something while we're deployed to support the unit, um, some people have it more difficult. I had to leave my children behind, and, and they were, um, you know, they were upset. They were worried whether I would come back or not. At this point in my career, um, 
especially the children that are in school. They know that uh, fellow veterans' families, uh, the veterans may not have came back. And they know this in school. My kids talked to their kids and they decided, or they thought that um, maybe I wouldn't come back. Um, you know, so it's, it's, it's stressful on the family as well. Uh, you don't see that as much. You think it's just the soldiers or the service members, but everyone is involved in the stress. Yeah. Um, tell, me, um, tell me about a close friend or a great leader that you had. You can choose which, which one of those you want to talk about. But tell me about that person. Well, um, Specialist King, E4 in my unit that uh, did not make it back. And I had three other personnel that didn't make it back. Um, very somber. And I, I, before we left, I told the wives and I, and I told the soldiers, you know, I'm going to bring everyone back. And and I might may have felt like I failed my my responsibility there because uh, four of my soldiers did not make it back. Um, so I look up to them. Um, I've got tattoo on my shoulder that represents um, their service. Um, and, and I say the four soldiers that, that did not make it back to include Specialist King, Sergeant Alcott was one of them, and uh, First Sergeant King, you know, I hate to mention names, I know I should, maybe I shouldn't do that, but those, those individuals um, meant a lot to me, um, especially they still do. Every year, the anniversary, you know, then it, it becomes a problem. Um, I'm a combat veteran, and, and, you know, we all have invisible wounds, so, you know, Things like that affect us. Um, maybe at that time we need to go see someone, and you know I have seen someone to help me out with that issue as well. Yeah. Um, so uh, retirement prompted your transition. Uh, it sounds like. Did you feel like you were prepared for you, retirement? Yeah. No one's really prepared. Sure. Um, my whole life was in the military. Twenty-five years of service in the infantry, and it was difficult because I lost my first family. Um, got a divorce, and you hear that amongst a lot of veterans, because it's not just the deployment, it's uh, years, a couple years prior to that, the, the pre-field problems to prepare yourself for deployment, and then you're gone for a year. So, you know, you're away from your family, um, and then that probably contributed to my first divorce. A lot of times I would leave for work and my children would be sleeping, and then I would come home and they'd be sleeping because it'd be long days. Um, but, but the retirement, um, no one's really prepared for that because uh, now I get out and I, I don't, I have to match clothes for one. <laughs> BDUs, I just wore the, the pants in the bottom and they were camouflaged and you just put them on and uh, yeah. you were good to go. So color coding, clothes and very difficult transitions, very hard. Um, especially, um, I came back in two. I retired in 2007, and in 2005 and 6, I was deployed to Iraq. So two weeks, literally two weeks, when I got back from from serving my country in, in a combat zone, I uh, was on my couch with the remote control. It's a, a reverse reversal in change of what I was doing, from from high speed to low drag, and and I'm still in my mind, I'm still going 100 miles an hour. Um, very difficult to make that quick of a change. Um, loud noises, you know, um, 
insomnia, other things that go along that veterans experience um, right when they come back from combat. Yeah. Very difficult. And, and then and, and no job. Now I was retired. I retired as a first sergeant in the United States Army with 25 years. You just don't get out and expect to pick up with the same type of job that you had. Uh, you basically have to work your way up again from the bottom. Not unless you have some schooling or you prepared yourself. But being a Infantry first saw, and there's really no skills there. There's no technical skills to carry on when you retire. So, um, luckily, the VA came along. I applied for the job, and um, now I work at the Vet Center, the Department of Veterans Affairs, and that 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 is a great job because I'm still around military people. It's like I'm still in the army. Yeah. So I'm surrounded by military folks, and, 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 and that's helped me in my transition. I can only imagine somebody who is not around the military after, after they get out. It's difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Because that's their little transition. That's their group. They're um, something they're familiar with. So, um, so we'll just segue into your role at the Vet Center now. Uh, just briefly describe us uh, to us what your position is and, and, uh, and how you serve veterans. Well, I work at the work for the Department of Veterans Affairs at the Vet Centers for RCS, Readjusted Counseling Services. Um, they're they're part of the VA, but they're kind of separate. As we have our own central office in DC, and then we have districts. They used to be regions uh, throughout the United States. So our chain of command falls under a, a different chain of command. Although the local hospitals, Vision 17 in San Antonio. They provide logistical services for me. I get paid through the local finance, but the vet centers are kind of separate, and, 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 and they do that on purpose, and I'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, but I'm the Veterans Outreach Program Specialist for the San Antonio Vet Centers. Up to about five years ago, we had one vet center, and we moved from the south side to the northeast side and we opened another vet center on the northwest side. So we have two vets here, vet centers in San Antonio. And I provide outreach services for the vet centers. Uh, events like this right here, I coordinate everything for this. Uh, yellow ribbon reintegration program, briefings. I speak at colleges. Um, anywhere they need to know about the vet center. Set up a table and, and, I, and I can stop someone in the supermarket and shake a hand and then I'll tell them about the vet center. So it's my job's always, I'm always working to provide information about what vet centers provide for veterans. And that's my job. So who, um, who qualifies to use a, a vet center to be able to get, get counseling from a vet center? Well, the vet centers were set up in 79 by the Vietnam era because they weren't doing so well with the VA. And, and the VA wasn't all that great back when, for what I hear. Yeah. Um, but Vietnam veterans set it up, uh, and you didn't even need to be part of the VA in order to, to be eligible for vet center services. The eligibility then was just to be a war zone veteran, and you could come to the doors and you could be seen, and your whole family could be seen as well. It's changed since then. Now they opened the eligibility to veterans of all services in all eras of, of combat, from World War II to the present global war on terrorism up to Operation New Dawn is where we're at right now. Um, and also eligible are their family members of the veterans and, and the, the service is available for life. 
Um, we are currently sitting in a mobile vet center, um, which um, is essentially an extension of the brick and mortar vet center. Um, but tell us more about the, the purpose and the mission of the mobile vet center. We have 70 or more mobile vet centers of different versions throughout the United States to include Puerto Rico, Guam, the Virgin Islands, and America Samoa. These vet centers are initially used to get out into the rural areas uh, where veterans are not capable of being seen by the VA because they live pretty far away. Um, but the vehicle set up to do that, they have two confidential counseling rooms, video teleconferencing systems, satellite phones. So a vet center can provide the services to any veteran in the field, in their small community, uh, that, that could be provided by a brick and mortar vet center just from this vehicle right here. Yeah. Now, you, um, one thing that, uh, you know, vet centers don't get spoken about often when it, like in news coverage on the VA, and, and um, we don't hear a whole lot about them, but the few instances in recent history that we've heard about vet centers, especially mobile vet centers, is how they have deployed to areas uh, that are experiencing either a natural disaster or some sort of tragedy. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I know that you, um, the San Antonio Mobile Vet Center deployed to Sunderland. Sutherland Springs. Sutherland Springs, yes. yeah. Um, I mean, just, just tell us about that initiative and why it's, why, why it's important to VA and vet centers to make sure that they're providing support in communities that are going through that experience. Well, the Mobile Vet Center is mobile. And if um, vets, veterans are everywhere, um, so any national disaster, and a vehicle set up for national disasters as well, it's, it's like a command center. These little marks right here for gurneys hanging from the ceiling. You, they put gurneys in here and uh, doctors could provide um, minor surgeries and so forth. Uh, so it's a command center. It, it's able to communicate anywhere in the world with a satellite system. Um, so we take these vehicles and um, any national disaster that we find or that we're able to go to, we try to go to. We got this vet, this our mobile vet center in 2009, and that's when about when they came aboard. And I was the operator of the one in San Antonio at that time. We took it to uh, Fort Hood, Texas, and provided counseling to the community. Uh, three mobile vet centers were converged there in Colleen, Texas, Fort Hood, Coppers Cove area, and provided counseling to the community for that mass shooting they had back when. We stayed there for two or three weeks and provided services, not only for veterans, but anybody that came through the doors, the community as well. So we, we do try to uh, make, attend, or for lack of a better word, uh, provide services at, at, at national disasters. The most recent was Sutherland Springs. Uh, literally the day after we were set up in Sutherland Springs in an open field um, satellite dish up ready to go providing counseling services to the community for for what had happened there the mass shooting in the church yeah so the VA's there um, it's a quick turnaround uh, they called and said we need to go and we, we we go right away so a couple other events that I have planned got canceled or pushed to the side but you can understand the importance of this one uh, versus the other one sure the Sutherland Springs event yeah um, we had personnel from our main VA hospital as well. The chaplain services were set up with us. 
Uh, so, and we provided counseling services uh, to the community. So, um, you know, we're, we're sitting in the mobile vet center that is currently parked outside of the JW Marriott in San Antonio where the SVA National Conference is going on. Um, I know you guys are, are here to provide support for anybody that uh, should, should need counseling for a mental or emotional concern. Um, you know, tell us about that prog like when, when a veteran approaches you with, with a concern, like what is, what is the process in, in handling, um, you know, giving them that support? All right, so um, initially um, I got contacted by SVA um, to bring the vet center or to provide counseling services. Uh, my idea was to bring the mobile vet center because the mobile vet center has two confidential counseling rooms. Um, so we, we brought this and it's available to veterans at this conference. There's something like 1,700, more than 1,700 veterans of different parts of the world at this event right here. So it's a large event and the likelihood of someone having a breakdown or a crisis or uh, flashbacks or something going on with their military career, uh, combat services, then, then we're available for them. The vet center set in the parking lot about 30 feet from the uh, event. We have a table inside. I'm sitting at the table so I, I can coordinate with the event persons that, that if they bring someone our way. Uh, we've rotated counselors from the local mobile or from the local vet center, uh, licensed counselors, uh, to sit at the table and if something happens they will contact us and we bring them out here and, um, and we'll talk to the veteran. A couple events have already happened, situations where we had to talk to someone, um, but mostly um, we calmed them down on the spot, told them what services we provided, connected with them because 80% of our counselors are combat veterans as well. That, they do that on purpose for a vet-to-vet conversation. They realize that we have something in common with them. So once we start talking to the veteran about their, their issues, uh, they really calm down a little bit. So just kind of make an evaluation. If it becomes serious, and that's when we'll bring somebody out here and, and, and continue on the counseling services. But we, we, what we can do, if they're not from the local areas, we'll make a, get a contact card and refer them to their local vet center, have someone call them when they get back home from this event. What, you know, what are some examples of, um, of situations that veterans find themselves in that, that that uh, bring them to your table, bring them to your to your services? That's a good question because here, um, it could be a video, it could be sou sights, sounds or smells, any trigger that would bring them back to whatever incident that they had while they're deployed. They may have ran over an IED while they were deployed um, and something may be a smell or something they hear on a video. Um, it's a trigger that um, makes them, for lack of a better word, flash back to where they were, um, and then the anxiety comes. You know, veterans don't like crowds. Yeah. We don't like loud noises. Most of us sit with our back against the door or the wall. Um, we check out egress routes in restaurants. So we, we, we still have the, um, the combat mode thing going on, and um, any, any small thing could cause a, a trigger to where um, we, we might have a problem and some anxiety might happen to where we need to talk to somebody. And that's what we're here for. What, so in this position at the vet center, 
how has this helped you learn how to deal um, with your own uh, your own situation? Oh. I've been asked, I've gone through some counseling myself because I am a combat veteran and the service is available for me, it's free. Yeah. I hate to use the word free, I earned it as a veteran. Um, but just being associated with military and also social workers, uh, counselors at the vet center, that's helped me out a lot. Um, I don't necessarily have to go regularly to a counselor, I can sit down and talk to any one of the counselors off to the side and um, talk to them about my issues and usually I'll get some good guidance and, and you know, ways that I can help myself so there's less anxiety. Yeah. Um, couple questions to wrap up. Tell me um, what, uh, and obviously, you know, your combat experience uh, I know is a, um, an, an answer to this question, but maybe, uh, maybe another one. Um, Tell me about an experience or a skill set that you got in the military uh, that's contributing to your success today. Skill sets. That's an, a lot of us military people have uh, a lot of good skill sets. A lot of civilian corporations are asking for military to work for them because we, we're dedicated to our, our duty. We're always on time. We're dependable. And we learn all this in the military. It's, it's from basic training to the present day where you had to you had to fold your underwear in a four by four drawer, you know, and yeah. and everything was dressed right dress, your boots are online and and those little things that being in control of your area and and, and be responsible for your actions or you may receive some judiciary punishments. Um, those kinds of things throughout your career is, is, is set everyone straight. It, I really think if everyone joined the military, it was a requirement it would help them out. It, it makes you grow. And, um, you get out of the, the kid phase and you learn to be responsible for your actions and and, and I think that that helped everyone. That helps. That helped me a lot because um, I really wasn't all that great in high school. I didn't do well and um, I'm from here in San Antonio. I joined the military from here and I came back many years later and, and my um, some of my friends were in jail and some dead and and they're still doing the same thing they're doing and, and what I'm doing is, is progressing in my career and now that I'm retired I look back and it's a great thing that I have did the military helped me out and, and set me straight for the most part yeah uh, tell me about a veteran or a veteran organization that you're familiar with aside from vet centers maybe even aside from SVA um, that, that you're familiar with that has you excited about what they're doing right now I use uh, TVC, Texas Veterans Commission, very great organization here in Texas with their veteran service organization. I know the whole chain of command there. Uh, we communicate regularly. Um, they provide services for veterans uh, in the benefits department. They help them file for disabilities. But when they come across someone who, who's filing for PTSD or or readjustment issues, or military sexual trauma even. We provide that to, to veterans and, well, service members who were traumatized while on the service, in the service. But um, they will send them our direction, and then uh, we send them their direction. So great organization, TVC, they, they provide grants to other organizations that are starting up that want to help veterans. Um, another one that I wanted to mention, it's not a VA organization, but Soldiers Angels great organizations. Monthly we do a mobile food pantry 
for veterans and service members here in San Antonio, and we give 50 pounds of food to 200 veterans. And it's a, it's a drive-through type thing. All, they register online, they drive through, and we provide, we give them food. We are set up in the background with the mobile vet center and a table to provide um, benefits to veterans as they come through if they need it. Yeah. Soldiers Angels, great organization. Very cool. Ray, I really appreciate your time, sir. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me and, and, and talking to our audience about the value of, uh, of vet centers. Thank you for your service to our country and your continued service to veterans today. Appreciate it, Tim. Thank you. VA's round-the-clock hotline can put veterans who are homeless in touch with the resources and support they earned through their military service. Call 877-424-3838. To learn more about the Vet Center program, visit vetcenter.va.gov. This week's Middle of Honor citation reading is for Jesse Funk, who was in the United States Army, rank of Private First Class in the Division of Company L, 354th Infantry, 89th Division. Conflict was World War I, Year of Honor, 1918. Citation reads... Learning that two daylight patrols had been caught out in no man's land and were unable to return, PFC Funk and another stretcher bearer, upon their own initiative, made two trips 500 yards beyond our lines under constant machine gun fire and rescued two wounded officers. We honor his service. That wraps up episode 101. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. There's a lot of options for entertainment out there. Appreciate you spending your time listening to these important veteran stories. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at DEPT Vet Affairs for more stories and images from our community. I'm Timothy Lawson, signing off. <laughs>